and boom goes the dynamite. And boom goes the dynamite. Welcome to another special edition of Boom Goes a Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how you doing, my friend? Jeff, take me out to the ball game. We're gonna hit a grand slam right out of the park, baby. Wrong, uh, wrong sport, brother. <laughs> what do you mean? Wrong sport. What are you talking about? It, it, it's, not grand grand it's not the baseball. It's not the baseball grand slam. What do you, that's how, that's when you okay. So you're not a big baseball guy, huh, Jeff. Let me explain this to you. So in baseball, when you hit a home run, when okay, okay so when when there, there's four bases in baseball, Jeff, and uh, uh, when three of them have guys on them, and, and the guy hits a home run, and everyone get, goes there, it's called a grand slam. So I, I didn't really. I mean, I guess you're not a big baseball guy, but I'm here to help. Okay. In tennis, uh, when you win all four major championships in uh, in, in one uh, in one in one uh, calendar year, that is also a grand slam. Okay, okay, I'll bite. What is tennis? <laughs> you know what, Paul? I don't have uh, all night. You know? <laughs> this is a one-hour podcast. This is only a one-hour. We, we try to keep this to an hour, so... Uh, so I will start off with, I have, I have a rudimentary getting parts of, of every sport to you. That's what the podcast is now. It's just us explaining the most basic rules of sports. Did you also know there's a grand slam in, uh, in the six nations rugby, uh, rugby competition. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's when it's, yeah, it's when you, you just run the table and and win every game in, in that tournament. So. I was really hoping that we would do this at Beth Page Black and call it AEW Grand Slam and just have the whole thing on a golf course. Oh no! <laughs> golf oh, each. Oh no! Eighteen match card. Each match is on a different hole. Oh boy! Now we're talking. Now oh, we're getting creative. Damn. Yeah, I don't know if I want any of that smoke. <laughs> to be honest. Um, Come on. Man. Would be great. Like a lot of people are getting mad about golf courses being wasteful or anything. Let's put these golf courses back to use for the people, Jeff. They for are the really kind of wasteful when you get down to it. Look, they are, man. But you get out on the links, you know. You, you you do eighteen holes. You have a couple of cold beverages. Maybe you get a hot dog at the turn. It's a nice afternoon. Nice I have, nice I have never played a single round of golf ever. Well, I mean I mini. Golf I mean is- mini golf, but that doesn't count. Mini golf's great, but no, mini golf does count. First of all, Go, mini golf is a valid form of golf. Well, uh, yes, but I meant hard. like, 
of golf. So I feel like mini golf is a valid sport. Mini golf is real and should get more respect, in, in my opinion. I mean, I agree, but I mean, I mean, mini golf is fun. But yeah, I've never played like you know the 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 sport of you know of the rich folks. So you know, um, uh, you know what's the thing about that's that that's the thing about it is like we've let the elites kind of like steal it or like you know claim it. When, like, you can golf pretty affordably. Like, there are public golf courses in most places around the country that you can golf at pretty affordably, like, decently enough. Uh, you know, you can put together a set of clubs for a reasonable-ish price. Like, you know, and, you know cost of entry for any hobby like that is going gonna, is gonna to be there. But I think you can golf affordably if you know what you're doing. You don't have to be rich to do it. And I think, uh, you know, if you enjoy doing it or if you want to, you know, do something that's like not super intensive, but also a nice way to, you know, take a few hours. Uh, I can recommend golf. I'm kind of pro golf, Jeff. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we're, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that one. Anyway. Well, something I've been trying to get to since we started this show, we got to get you on the links. This is grand slam. We're talking about grand slams. I got to experience something from, uh, last month's AEW, uh, this past week. This past so weekend, you're telling me to move on so you can move back a month. Yes, yeah, so I <laughs> managed to get my hands on the CM Punk ice cream bar from Pretty Cool hey! on California say, Avenue. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it it was quite tasty. It turns out, uh, pretty cool. Nice. Make some pretty cool ice cream. Ice cream bar review. Uh well, it was just a it was a basic. Well, you know, quote, basic, uh, you know, chocolate, chocolate covered shell with, you know, chocolate shell covering, uh, you know, vanilla, Madagascar vanilla bean ice cream. And it, Madagascar. yeah, that's Ooh, what, that's what right. it's, uh, hold on, I have the, I still have one, I saved one oh, of the wrappers. Madagascar. Uh, rich custard style ice cream infused with Madagascar vanilla bean dipped in our dipped in our signature chocolate shell and it was quite tasty i i have to say yes. pretty cool is very good i used to live extremely close to pretty cool so i have uh, sampled their offerings in the past very delicious so yeah, yeah shout out pretty cool CM Punk ice cream bars, which have been a humongous success. Yeah, I uh, well, I mean, I work right by there too. It's like a you know a five minute drive or you know yeah. a uh, twenty five minute walk up there. But it's a know. very local. Yes. Did you um? Uh, did you see uh, Freelance's next event they just announced? I did not. It's uh, called Killer Clown from Logan Square, and it's featuring Frank the Clown all over the promotional materials. Ah, oh, Jesus, Frank the <laughs> fucking or, or or as GCW put it. Frank the fucking clown. Frank the fucking clown. But like, no, they and they did the killer clowns from outer space, like, uh, like poster, but with Frank in it. I think it's really well done. They they, they better get they they should get the 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 Dickies to do a new version of of the theme song. Oh, now that's now we're talking. Since you know that was their song and all. So, um, yeah, on the, killer in a couple of years, man, it's so good. Related, uh, did you get to see uh, GCW highest in the room? Uh, I did see parts of the end. I don't. I don't. I didn't see much of it. No. Okay. So I mean, did you see the relevant part of <laughs> of GCW highest in the room? Oh, the 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 stuff with Mox and all that. No, the stuff with Suzuki. Oh, the stuff with Suzuki. Uh, no, that part I didn't see. Ah, well, uh, Minoru Suzuki beat Jonathan Gresham in the main event. That match slapped, and then uh. He was challenged by none other than your boy, MDK, all fucking day. 
the man, the king, the god of this shit. Yes, I did yeah, hear about Nic- this Nicol- Nicholas October. Gage. Yes. Yeah, on the 23rd of October in uh, Very in L.A. Uh, and Suzuki's then tour just we, we keep talking about like how is Suzuki's tour going to get better, and then he books a match with Nick Gage. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, I think that's that's the last match of this tour. But also, he's going to be uh, on uh, Bloodsport Seven now in a match to be announced. So we have, I know we have so much of this show to get into. But before we move on, I do since we're talking about indie wrestling a little bit, I do want to give a little indie wrestling report because I attended my first Atlanta-based indie show over the weekend, Jeff. Oh, my. Uh, I went to AWE, Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment, uh, in uh, beautiful Austell, Georgia. Um, Featured a bunch of talent that I had not seen before that um, I was very excited to see, and that was very good. Um, uh, Featured the main event, Ashton Starr and Effie, uh, in a four-way tag event with a few other tag teams for their tag team championship, in which Effie and Ashton Starr won, so that was really cool. Um, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, they run the third Sunday of every month in Austell, Georgia, and I will absolutely be going back again. So shout out Atlanta wrestling entertainment for putting on a really good show. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of their offerings in the future. Now you told and shout me- out Effie. Uh, I've seen Effie a couple times this, this past month. Uh, and it's just, he's great to see. Uh, we love Effie. We're big fans of Effie around here. Uh, and it's been great to see him wrestle a couple times recently and catch up with him a little bit. Now, uh, you mentioned somebody else was at that show just in the crowd. Yeah, so now that the show's over, I'm not going to blow up anybody's spot, of course, but um, somebody walked by me a couple times, and this person looked familiar, and I was like, I can't, who is that? They look, they look really familiar. The third time I saw a tattoo, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks, it was Alan Five Angels. Okay, so this, this dovetails into my next part, which was, did you see Elevation or Dark? Because I saw some tweets like, he, he's, he's ditched the mask now, or something. Maybe. So I did. See, I didn't see all of it. No, but I did see this particular segment. Um, they did a tag match with five and ten taking on Colt Cabana and Evil Uno after the match. Uh, well, towards the end of the match, rather, uh, Uno in a dastardly trick uh, unmasked number five. Oh, OK. So pulled the mask off during the match. Um, Angels tried to make the comeback, lost anyway. Um I think the, they got up for a handshake. Uh, Angels put the mask back on, went for the handshake. Uno refused, walked away. So still tension and dissension among Dark Order. But yeah, uh, Angels might be ditching the mask, but he did put it back on during that segment. So I guess I'm not 100% sure where he's going to go with it. Okay, fair. Because also, uh, Semi Guevara posted his his latest vlog on, uh, on Tuesday night, and it features an unmasked... Alan Angel's getting attacked and choked out from behind by one Minoru Suzuki. Mm, while, 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 whilst whilst walking with Ty Conti and uh, Santana. Uh, nice, nice group there. Yeah, so very, it was kind of, a, kind of a random yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean... I, I, I really like that. Yeah, Alan Angel's is just wearing like, like an like eight... Say what? So, like, I know that I know they really like Alan Angels over there. I know AEW really likes him, and I think he's a guy with a future there. Uh, not the biggest fella vertically, um, which you know might you know in wrestling can put a hamper on you. But I think he's very talented, and uh, I think he's got a great move set. I think he's got like a really good feel for the ring. So I, I you know as long as Dark Order continues to be a featured act or gets to the spot where they're a featured act again, I think there's a lot there for uh, number five. And with that, let us go live to our special 
edition of AEW Dynamite. Dynamite Grand Slam live from the Arthur. Step up to the plate, Jeff. Live from the Arthur Ashe Stadium in Flushing Meadows, Queens, New York City. Your host, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. We go right in with our opening match. I cannot believe they opened with this, but after seeing this, I can believe that they opened with this. Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson in his AEW in-ring debut. Well, Jack, you know, uh, when in baseball, you got to have a really strong leadoff hitter. So I think this was a really great strategy. You, you, you're just going to run with this all all show, aren't you? <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, I, mean, I, 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 I forgot where the Mets play. But it's not too far from the Arthur Ashe Stadium. I'll tell you that much. City Field. And uh, I will. So, so if I can actually tie this in. City Field. And when they were like, you know, getting the arena filled, the line ran from Arthur Ashe all the way to City Field. Good. That's golly, how Miss Molly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, big stuff here. The twenty thousand plus, Jeff. Uh, AEW's largest attended show by a lot. Yeah, I mean that, that's like twice. Tells, that's twice of all in. Yeah, you you could feel it right away. Like the energy was insane. They like, did. right from the get go. And I mean, obviously, when they realized, like the crowd was excited as soon as they went live. But when they realized what was happening, when Danielson's music hit, and they realized that this is the first match they were getting, a lot like a lot of us at home, I'm sure, Jeff. Uh, when we realized this was the first match we were getting, holy Toledo. Okay, we're getting right into it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the crowd popped for absolutely fucking everything that Brian Danielson did. Every kick, every elbow strike was greeted with a yes chant. Holy shit. One of my favorite pops of the entire show, and this show was full of incredible crowd reaction that enhanced it even beyond what everyone was doing inside of the ring. Um, but one of my favorite moments of the whole thing was the very first lockup between Kenny and Brian. Holy uh, shit. And that the crowd just lost it. It's just for these guys doing a collar and elbow, man. You think this was you think this was Misawa versus Kawada six three ninety four? You know, well, the the, 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 the so called best match of all time, you know. I tweeted about this. This was Wrestle Kingdom on a Wednesday night, Jeff. It was pretty huge. <laughs> this was, was this was pretty like a G1 huge. match, and it was it was worked that way though. Like this was a match that was very much worked in the style of uh, uh, what's going to be in a very obvious first chapter in a saga that's going to have multiple matches, and we already know that. We knew oh, that yeah. going in. We yeah. knew that this was going to be step one. So, I mean, without even getting into the details of this match yet, this match was incredible. Uh, it was perfect. It was really, really well done. I don't necessarily... Uh, it's a match of the year candidate. I don't think it's my match of the year. And that's okay. It didn't have to be. Yeah. It had to be a great first chapter. And that's exactly what it was. It was so effective. And I just... W- what really gets me is that we haven't seen even close to the best of what these guys are going to give us. Because they're still holding that back. Because they know we have more work to do here. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you, you mentioned G1 Climax. Um <laughs> You saw the bad news, right? Yeah, yeah, tough for Naito, but yeah, uh, you know, you gotta, we got a whole podcast to talk about Naito. Well, anyway, well, no, actually, we, we don't. To into here, brother. Yeah, we do. Um, anyway, I just want to side note that uh, Jesus Christ, Brian Danielson's chest. Like in the first five minutes of this match, Jesus Christ, well, Brian were, Danielson's they were chest. Into each other. Like it was obviously uh, understood going into this match. Like, hey, don't hold anything back. We're fucking going for it tonight. 
and they did. And those chops were really landing. Oh, my goodness. Both these guys were going for it. I wouldn't call it potatoing or anything of that nature, but they both knew that, like, you know, this one, uh, you know, we'll worry about our bumps and bruises tomorrow. But today we're going to go out there and give this crowd exactly what they want. And what another thing that, you know, kind of amazing about this match is the expectations were high going in, Jeff. People expected a barn burn. People expected a great match and got, I think, more than what a lot of us bargained for. Is that fair? Did this did this meet or exceed your expectations, Jeff? Uh, it exceeded them uh, in a few ways. I mean, I'm still not going to give a star rating for this, but what I am going to say, what, what what I am going to say is, is that this may have been the best Kenny Omega TV match that they've ever done because. Like the like, like, lights like, well, lights out was on but that wasn't on TV though, is what I'm saying. But what I'm getting at is, is like the you know my my favorite. I've said this before uh, on several podcast forums. My favorite of the Omega versus Kazuchika Okada matches is the G1 Climax match, and the reason why is because it was so constrained that Kenny did not do a lot of his usual epic bullshit. And he didn't yeah, do that. And he did not do that place. here. And in fact, he had to do shit he rarely does, like the like when he tried the Phoenix Splash. Well, yeah, and I, I saw someone mention like uh, Kenny Omega really only saves the Phoenix Splash for situations where he is desperate, and when you feel like Kenny really has to pull out all the stops, and that's what this felt like. And obviously, you know, the result uh, uh, withstanding, that's what it was, and it was a match that was made to establish that these two are dead even. Yeah, uh, that these guys, something's got to give and it's not yet. And they haven't figured out. Neither has figured out how to beat the other yet. And they're both just so good. It's going to take a while. Right. But uh, the point, but the, the point I'm trying to get to is that they cut out a lot of Omega's bullshit in this. Yeah. And, and you know, he's a lot like Kanye West in that regard is when he like when uh, when he's got the reins on a little bit and he has like someone to editorialize him a little bit. I think that's when he does his best work. If yeah. you give Kenny like the full Kenny green light, it can get a little out of hand. Oh yeah. So yeah, I mean and, yeah, this and is that's fine in some scenarios, but like this is a match with again huge expectations, uh and a match that you can really establish once again and further cement like what AEW is doing and the run that they're on right now. Uh they did everything that I mean, it couldn't have gone better, right? Like, what more could you have asked for from what we got from the first 30 minutes of this program? I mean, the the first 30 minutes of the program were absolutely phenomenal. And, of course, should, should we, 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 we can just blow the result here. It was a 30-minute time limit draw. Spectacular. Which, you know, and again, another, even better, this is the result that most people expected. This was something that a lot of people figured would happen going in. And they just went out and did it but executed it so well that that predictability didn't come into play at all for anybody at any point in time. Nobody yeah, cared. And, 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 and it's great because not only is Omega the champion protected, it proves Brian Danielson's bona fides, which, you know, not that he really needed to prove them, but you know what I mean. And we get future matches out of this. I think what it really proved is that we have another absolutely classic rivalry within AEW that we can continue to revisit. There's a lot of them now. And, and, uh, and you can think of a, a bunch and we can just add this to the list. And furthermore, it's a brand new rivalry because the only other time that they ever met was a comedy match in PWG. 
You yeah, know, I mean, this is there's a yeah, no, this is a deep well. I expect there to I expect this to be like a four to five match rivalry. I don't think they'll all happen in succession. I think this is something that stretches out over the next couple of years. Um, I think it probably I think we get a great match, maybe even at full gear. Uh, but I don't think that's the end of it. And I think we come back to it in a year or two afterwards. Now, mind you, I'm really excited to see what these guys come up with. Now, mind you, this show is not perfect, and there is some cogent criticism we can make about this show, but we're, we're going to get to that. Not, because... but not for this first 30 minutes, because this was... Oh, mean, God, no. Six, oh, God, no. Yeah, no. It's amazing. Uh, after, that wasn't a perfect show, but it was a really good one. Uh, after the the after we, we go Broadway, uh, the super click comes out and just attacks Dan, Danielson, who re- was refusing to let go of... I forgot what they called it. It's the, the yes lock, you know. Yeah, that, well, they just are calling it the uh, the label lock. No, yeah, there you go. Yeah, they're just they're just calling it the label lock again, not giving him a special name. Just hey, he was taught this by Patty Labelle, and uh, you know, <laughs> learned how to do uh, arm bars and uh, make a sweet potato pie. That's right. He's got a new attitude. That's right. <laughs> um, after uh, Christian Cage and Jurassic Express come to make the save against the the Super Click, so of course that match will be happening on the Friday portion of this very uh, extravaganza, um, since they are splitting things up, including which actually it... at the time of this recording, uh, that's happening right now. Yeah, it is. Well, that show is. Yeah, it's still going on as we record. So uh, we come back from commercial and uh, the the namesake of my ice cream bar, CM Punk, uh, comes out for a uh, what was a scorcher of a promo. Yeah. So, I mean, not exactly a seventh inning stretch, Jeff, So because we're, we're still a little early on. But, you know, <laughs> sometimes uh, you got to step up to the plate and uh, and deliver in different ways. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this was a great promo. A- you know, it- it's amazing. Uh, Phil Brooks, kind of good on the stick, it turns out. Turns out. So uh, we talked about character progression of CM Punk and, like, the CM Punk victory lap and how long it can last. And what's, uh, you know, I think worked so well for this is that he is moving this character forward slowly even while still having fun and while still taking a moment to stop and smell the roses and take these things in, uh, you know, he's turned up that intensity a little bit each time, right? That first promo was just a love fest. It was just, you know, let's hug it out with the crowd. Let's tell everybody how much I love and how happy I am to be back. The second time, let's kind of run that back just because we have another crowd to do it in front of, but let's be a little bit more focused and say that I have a plan and I want to be somewhere and let's set up my first match. That Then when we start getting into the promo specifically on Darby Allen, um, you know, he kind of shows his motivations and, and kind of shows direction. And now, now he's intense. Now he's fired up. Now he has a match under his belt and he has that passion relit and he wants to take it somewhere. And you can feel all these and you're kind of on this journey with him, right? Like he's so good at putting us as the fans and as the audience, like right there in the passenger seat with him and saying, come on, we're all in this together. I'm taking you on this ride with me. Let's fucking go. Uh while we're talking about CM Punk, someone who was out of the business for, for many years, did you see AEW's announcement of the Owen Hart Cup with the blessing of Martha Hart? Jeff, did I see it? Um, you know, I've talked about Owen ad nauseum on this podcast and his influence on me as a wrestling fan. Uh, I personally think that if Owen Hart had the time and, and the uh, the life to lead and the career to have, uh, we'd probably be talking about him right now as one of, if not the greatest of all time. 
I, I think that's the kind of talent that Owen Hart was. Um, and I think it's uh, incredible, Jeff. I mean, what else? It's obviously this, you know, I'm pounded into the ground now, but th- this partnership with Martha Hart and the Owen Hart Foundation is so important to wrestling. It's so important to another generation of fans that now gets to see and appreciate and learn what Owen Hart meant to professional wrestling as a whole. Uh, You know, he's influenced basically everybody that you've seen on your television screen if you're a North American wrestling fan uh, in the last 20 to 25 years. uh, Every single person you've seen wrestle has probably taken something from Owen uh, in one way or another. Uh, so to to have him back in the fold and to have his legacy honored by people who didn't get him killed, pretty great stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, shady takes on Twitter about this, and it, it, I, which I really don't want to get into because some of no, them are disgusting. No, we don't. Yeah, once again, that's not the, that's not this podcast, but uh, except no, when it, well, at, except when it is. But yeah, <laughs> most people just really deserve it. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Um, Anyway, I just want to make note of that. Anyway, CM Punk versus Powerhouse Hobbs on the Rampage portion of uh, of this show tonight. So this was a this was a really great promo. This really kind of conveyed again the respect that he has for Powerhouse Hobbs, but also his uh, really burning desire to go beat him up and to go kind of show everybody that not only am I back, but I'm back to be better than ever. I'm not going to rest on my laurels. I'm going to take on the greatest challenges. And that's a really interesting uh, direction for CM Punk as a character. Our second match of the evening, uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman versus Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, you probably liked this match more than I did. Yeah, you know, no, it was fine. Um, what? I guess it could have hurt this match, but I thought they did a really great job in the situation. This was essentially a really long cooldown. You just, I mean, Punk said it at the top of his promo. How are you going to follow that? Yeah. And that was, you know, the toughest part of the rest of the show is how are you going to follow that incredible opener? And that's, you know, one of the hardest parts about putting the best match at the top of the show. How are you going to follow it? This is something that Rampage has kind of gotten into because, you know, for the first four or five weeks of Rampage here, uh, they've really established that the opener is the main event on Rampage, right? Like 10 yeah. o'clock, they give, you the, they give it to you at the top. And they yeah, did this it's, the old Saturday, it's, it's the old Saturday night's main event formula. Yes. And well, that's interesting. You say that this show felt like a Saturday night's main event to me. Didn't it to you? Cause it did to me. I mean, it was, like like a, a, it was definitely a, a super like card. Class. Yeah. But it had that. Yeah. It had that kind of feel to it. Uh, uh, it felt like a special show from the crowd energy to the presentation to obviously the matches themselves, but it was really well executed. Uh, in all those regards, too. Yes. No. 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 no I. I got you. I, I. I do agree. Um. Anyway, but no, this match was like a. It was like a long cooldown. It was good. I think Brian Pillman getting better. MJF a great heel. I thought the spot with Julia Hart was really well done, where he kind of had that little back and forth with her, and then Brian kicked uh, MJF there. I thought that was really uh, well done. Yeah, it was fine. I didn't yeah. think it was great, but I thought it was fine. Now, the, the, the biggest note I have on this match uh, was from a piece of commentary between uh, Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone where they're talking about, you know, Brian Pillman. Because I think they actually spent more of the match talking about actual Brian Pillman than his son. Um, they were talking about how he was, you know, roommates with one of the Harbaugh's in college, and, you know, he played ah. it. So I, I just have a counterpoint. You know, they just say, you know, they had great... 
both Harbaugh's had great success in football. Uh, I'm going to counterpoint that with uh, both Harbaugh's can suck it. You know, <laughs> uh, that's true. That is true. They, they, they yeah, they, they can both, uh, you know, burn. Yeah. So anyway, MJF yeah. wins. These are weird uh, pleated cats. That's right. Uh, we then go backstage for a uh, not very good promo between Chris Jericho and Jake Hager because Jake Hager brings down every fucking thing he's he's a part of. Jake did talk, and that was annoying, but Chris's intensity and also Chris's leather jacket with no shirt saved it for me. So, uh, so are... Leather jackets, no shirts, uh, uh, being Chris Jericho are things that will help you do a promo. Hmm. You know what? I, Being you know Chris what? Jericho helps you cut promos. Okay. Out. Now, here's the thing. I, I we had to compare Chris Jericho with no, you know, with a leather jacket, and no shirt, to um, Andrew Eldritch from the Sisters of Mercy, uh, circa the this corrosion video. Leather jacket, no shirt, but also in pouring rain. So that oh no, the rain look is also good because you get the contracting leather too, and like you're getting even tighter and just yeah, yeah. There's a lot, a lot going on there. But I just wanted to mention uh, the Sisters of Mercy for no particular reason. And you reason. did. And, I and did. you did it. I succeeded. <laughs> our third match, speaking of goths, our third match of the evening, Cody Rhodes making his in-ring debut, his in-ring return, I should say, uh, with uh, one uh, Tommy Malachi and, and Black. Um, yeah, first crazy. of all, he came out of retirement without even going back down to the minors to AAA to warm up. I know or anything it's weird. like that. You know, sometimes, sometimes you you know you get designated for assignment and you get options back down, and then you gotta you know maybe work your way back up, or maybe you go down to play for the Mud Hens for a little while, something like that. Uh, but no, no, he uh, you know he, he he came right back uh, from his, his short lived retirement and uh, stepped up to the plate, Jeff. <laughs> I would say Paul, you know Malachi Black attacking him was like a real knuckleball. Paul, and, uh, you know he's gotta yeah. come back and. Paul, you're you're lucky you don't live in Logan Square anymore because I might be hunting you down tomorrow <laughs> when you least expect it. Catch me on the diamond, bro. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, anyway, and, uh, catch me over at uh, was that Carrie Woodfield over there? Yeah, yeah, that yeah over on uh, that one at, right at like Western and Addison. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, Addison. Yeah, Addison and Cali. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, Malachi Black's entrance still rocks. So, and the red light, the red tinted lights this time was a nice touch. That that was a nice yeah, touch. Uh, went to the red this one, and yeah, the music's amazing. We talk about it every week. It's great. Uh, Cody uh, dressed like he was about to maybe jump like six buses um, at like a uh, uh, like a local coliseum type situation. Can we talk about how New York City fucking hated Cody Rhodes tonight? <laughs> Yeah, it was great. It made this thing even better, man. And, and, you it know, really did. Because I love Cody. You guys know I love Cody, and I still love Cody, and I thought it was great to have Cody back here. But I think this is great. And Okay, so a prevailing take I, I'm seeing a lot right now uh, is Cody needs to turn heel immediately, Jeff. Do you agree with this, yes or no? Uh, I, I, I believe I've said numerous times on this program that none of the elite ever should have been baby faces. Right, and that's fair. But so I'm, I'm just saying, uh, in this particular situation, do you do you think it would benefit them to do a hard heel turn to Cody, like a very obvious, very hard I'm a heel now, like right in front of you? Thing? Oh hell yes. Okay, I disagree. Okay, well I I, I figured that, but... and here's why. 
because you're already getting this reaction without doing that. Why I mean, would you mess with the formula that's working? I mean, that is true. He could just be the oblivious, you know, like, well, you know, how Brit was at first. You know, but, the, 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 the oblivious like, heel, you know. And like, and people were like, oh, he's just going to be the big baby face. He was working heel in this match, Jeff. He was very obviously working heel in this match. He, he, he was, and New York hated him, and it worked. So, and it worked great, and, and this match was really well executed. There and was it, a couple little rough spots in the center parts, but I thought they brought it home in the end really well. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so, yeah, here, let's talk about one of those rough spots. What the fuck was Arn Anderson doing? I don't know. He was kind of all over the place, but the, the get back in the ring, what the hell are you doing spot was good. Okay, that, that was good. That was good. Prior to that, yeah, there was a couple. Prior to that, what the fuck was he doing? I don't know. Because... And I, I don't, I'm glad Brandy's back. Let's put it that way. Because the flow of this match just took a weird turn when that happened. Yeah, you know, it did. Um, But I think, again, they got it back on track. I think they brought it home in the end. I'm really happy to have, again, we talk about, like, Cody's heel tendencies or, like, how to present Cody as, like, a booable character. Brandy being there just doing what she does right here. Like, this was, like, New Japan Brandy, right? And that's, like, the best brand. And it enhances this particular act really, really well. I mean, like, really, all of the, all that Cody needs to do to be heel is just to be Cody. Yeah, so, right, yeah, I, mean, you know. like, I would say, like, no, be New Japan Cody, but like with, uh, but a little less obvious. And you know, we talk about you know Cody messing around with gray areas. I think this is a really great time for him to do that because people want to boo him, and uh, if he pre- continues to present this character as someone who would would strike the traditional fan as like a, a baby face on the surface. The strongest, right. It's kind of like you, you, uh, the you, height of like maybe 2012, you, 2013. No, 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 2015, even John Cena, when he was like playing baby face, but getting booed really, really, really hard. Right. I think what? there's pair like, you know, you don't really have to like do the hard turn if you're already getting the reaction you're looking for. You know, I, when you put it that way, no, I, I, I see what you're saying, and I, th- I think so. I mean, it, from what I understand, Cody doesn't want to turn heel, but you know what? I think New York City may have uh, some other ideas because even when Malachi Black cheated like hell with Black freaking Mist, which mm, yeah, we we we, we, I, we have been denied that from Bushi for eighteen months, so that was nice, a little nice to see. Even though, oh yeah, there's still a pandemic going on too. Shit. Um, no, that was nice, and we we get a roll up win. Malachi Black wins. This was the right result, by the way. Cody should not have won. Yes, but uh, here's the thing. I wanted Cody to win just to see how mad everyone would get. I, I just wanted the chaos result really I, bad. I, 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 can, I can understand. Would have fucking lost their minds. The internet would have lost their minds, and I would have sat back and smiled very, very serenely. Uh, so, like, there is, like, I, I would have just been, like, applying the Joker paint slowly as everyone just lost it. God. <laughs> and just me living in a society. Oh boy! Uh, when we uh, come back, we we go to a uh, a pre-tape promo, Sammy Guevara and Miro uh, hyping up a TNT title match uh, for next Dynamite, which I am so happy we got a Miro segment on this because I've been wanting to drop this. Happy Bulgarian Independence Day, everybody! Happy Bulgarian Independence Day to now, all of our 
listeners. Now, I, 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 my, I, I have been told by my honey that I need to, to, to be honest and, and reveal how I came by this knowledge, which was, only, which was a, only a mere 30 minutes before Dynamite went on the air tonight. Okay. But it was because we were watching, it was uh, day 11 of the Aki Sumo Bao show, and uh, one of the Rikishi uh, named Aoyama is a Bulgarian, and the NHK announcer mentioned that today was Bulgarian Independence Day. Huh. That's very nice. That's a lot different and, than how... And he won. Out. Oh, well, so congratulations on Bulgarian... Yeah, it's a lot different than how I found out, Jeff. Um, I was uh, I had my calipers out to measure the skull of this Bulgarian man that I knew, oh. and he told me about okay, it. Okay, okay. <laughs> you, you, you need to stop. <laughs> oh, I was just, it's, I'm just, uh, you know... I'm, it's just like a hobby of mine, of course. Yeah, yeah, I don't take it that right. Seriously. Yeah, I, I think maybe living in the South has maybe affected you slightly, son. <laughs> R four. Oh, oh, now we don't trust science all of a sudden. Okay. Mm, yeah, science, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> well, welcome to the number one AEW Dynamite and Phrenology podcast. Okay, you're, you're fired. <laughs> Pack your things and and go home. Can I keep your calipers? Yes, please take the caliper. <laughs> Our fourth match of the evening. Uh, Steve Stinger and uh, the elephant in the room for AEW, Darby Allen versus FTR. Um, okay, so here's the thing. So the FTR are wearing gear that was obviously homaging, you know, the NWO logo. But if they were doing it to taunt Sting, shouldn't, they, shouldn't it have been red? No, that's true. I don't know if they were doing it to Taunt Sting. I think it's just their coolest gear, and they had to wear it tonight. Well, they they, they, they made they sure made it sound like they were doing it to Taunt Sting but because if they're, of... if they're taunting him, like you know, obviously Sting's chief rivalry was with the original Black and White NWO. So if you're well, doing that's it, true. You're say they're against you, yeah, and if you wanted to be like a little cheekier or ironic about it, you do old fact. Yeah, that's the, that's what kind of what I was thinking. Uh, and that's a... Sting here, old enough to be a designated hitter, Jeff. Uh, this was not the only riff that FTR would do in the match because I don't know if y'all noticed, uh, Dax Harwood did a did a great Muda riff in the match. Which which uh, spot was that? That was the the thumb across the the throat with his tongue sticking out. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was a total great Muda. So yeah, I I, I, I did pop for that one, even if nobody yeah, else. This did. was a I really fun match. I mean, uh, obviously. The beginning of it was what was big for me, just seeing Cash Wheeler and Sting wrestling in the year of our Lord 2021. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, really, you, you could tell, you could tell FDR were really into this. Oh, yeah. I mean, how couldn't you be? These guys are, you know, huge wrestling fans. They love wrestling. They respect wrestling. Uh, you know, they're uh, a great tag team. And it's so cool to see them kind of get to these these type of wish fulfillment matches. They delivered on every bit of it. And fucking Steve Stinger, Jeff, this man's sixty two years old. Who, buddy? He was dude. He, he, he was, was on one really tonight. Good. He fucking crushed it. It was great. Um, I like to read a. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, read two tweets from the same person tonight. Actually, there are three tweets I'm going to read. Two of them are from the same person. This is the first of two from at Suit Williams. 
in which uh, Mr. Williams says, FTR is essentially Leva Bates if she liked Crockett instead of comic books. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> I mean... Right. Well, I don't... I don't really fully understand what that means. I don't think uh, the 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 the, co- the cosplaying thing. I guess, but it's like name uh, like every other wrestler ever is doing this now. Like, oh, so I know. I mean, so I mean, it, I mean, it, it's a great tweet, but I mean, does it hold up under scrutiny? Like, I don't know. Every, everyone's hero, Johnny Gargano, dresses like a different Marvel guy in every match. Kenny Omega does a different video game with every match. Uh, uh, Nyla does all the ca- like. Oh, they're all I mean, a fr- fr- friend of the fr- fr- friend of the show, yours. friend of the show, Eddie Kingston. You know, wants to, you know homages. You know, the four pillars every match. You know, yeah, like you know, we're all they're all cosplaying because wrestlers are big nerds now, man. It's true, they are. <laughs> that's, that's why wrestling's so good. And then there's Minoru Suzuki. Who's not a well? Actually, no, he is a gigantic nerd because he likes to fish and uh, he's a huge fan of One Piece. Yeah, no, Minoru Suzuki, also a big nerd. He's just also a nerd for beating people up. Like, one of his other hobbies is just, like, he likes to be really dorky for beating people up. That's true. He does. Uh, he is, he's, like, knowledgeable about it. Like, that. Um, we, we should bring it up. Uh, if anyone hasn't read the uh, NJPW1972.com interview with Minoru Suzuki. Oh, hi, my God. It's, it's, it's really fantastic. There are. It's like, every single thing he says is a fucking poll quote. It's amazing. It, there are so many great quotes in this interview. This this interview is absolutely amazing. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah go. It, it's on the front page of uh, the English New Japan site njpw1972.com. So, uh, Steve Stinger does get the win with a Scorpion Deathlock. Um, How good did his Stinger splash look a couple minutes before the finish? Oh, it looked great. I mean, it was and and, and 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 how intelligent is Sting? To, to to stop himself before that, you know, the, the, the chair wedged in the ring just so he could deck, just so he good. could deck Tully Blanchard. Yeah, and you know what? One of those spots where it doesn't seem that complicated, but there was a lot of moving parts to it and timing was so important. And the fact that his timing is still there in those situations, really incredible. It's not just the athleticism or like the fact that he can still have the cardio or any of that, but even little things like that and, and the, be able to time those kind of moves up and do those things and execute them so well. Uh, really remarkable, man. So I, I'm noticing a trend in 2021, which is we seem to be all be loving these wrestlers over 50. Like, you know, Steve Stinger is 62 years old. Minoru Suzuki is 53 years old. Keiji Muto won a major title in Japan at age 58. At, at, at age 58 with two replaced knees. You know, yeah. it, it's... Uh, Remember back in the in the attitude era we were all about fuck these old guys and now we're like these old guys fucking rock you know and the old guys are kicking ass right now and remember during that time the old guys were not the same old guys right like they were different they had a different view of the business they had a different view of their own performances and characters they weren't the same old guys the old guys now care more and are enhancing the product and the generation behind them uh, those guys in the 90s weren't doing what Sting was doing for others. They weren't doing what CM Punk is doing for others. They weren't doing what Chris Jericho is doing for others. And even down to guys like Muda, they weren't doing what these guys are doing now. Uh, it's a whole different world. I think that's probably shaped by it because these are the guys 
that were, you know, in their in their primes 20, 25 years ago and saw how those old timers treated the business and saw how they almost brought it down to its knees. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, saw how their negligence and their disrespect for what was behind them almost brought it the whole fucking thing to a screeching halt. And, you know, and it allowed people like Vince McMahon to capitalize and prey on the business. And now you see that that hole is going away because the industry as it's is so much more robust and protected and, and headed by these guys. Yeah. And it's funny, we going back to that Suzuki interview on the new Japan site, like he actually makes the, you know, a uh, old man yelling at the clouds reference, which I, I I'm wondering if that's, I, I don't know if there's, that that's actually a phrase in Japan or if that was just a translate, you know, I a localization, but if you were to tell me Minoru Suzuki watches the Simpsons, I would say, yeah, that makes sense. But, uh, you know, at the same time, yeah, the, the, I mean, he basically just buried. I mean, he he buried the the, the whole Jim Cornette mindset in that interview. Yes, you know? yes, and, he did. And uh, he, I also like his specific comments on trying to make guys too well rounded. Uh, he had some really interesting insights on it that I do agree with. Uh, you know, he talked about how you're always trying to fill gaps in with people, and you're trying to you know uh, make them all well rounded until they're just smooth, shapeless nothings. And what really makes people interesting is uh, just as interesting as what they can't do as what they can. And I, mean, I agree. I mean, we're we're, we're going to see Suzuki wrestle Nick Gage in a month. Yeah, and why you know. is Nick Gage so interesting? Right? It's not because he's well rounded. No, no, not at all. Um, you know, at, 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 but at, you know, at the same time. Um, you know, again, just every little thing. I mean, this is, I mean, it was funny that he made a quote in that interview about, you know, it doesn't matter if you're wrestling a, a 10-year-old child. Minoru Suzuki has wrestled that 10-year-old child. <laughs> yeah. That's why they should have booked Minoru Suzuki to wrestle Effie, who has also beat up a child. Is it the same thing, though? Kind of. Effie choke slammed uh, Izzy at a show a couple years ago. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Last I knew about yeah. Izzy, last I heard about Izzy, she was uh, working with Team Vision Dojo. I really hope she escaped oh. that life. Yeah, uh, I would. I would most certainly hope. I know she was doing like actual. Uh, she wasn't training wrestling. She was training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu for quite a while. So hopefully that's going well. Uh, Effie was selling a shirt at the time. It just said in block letters, "Effie beats children." I think he's selling it again right now. Oh no! It's very funny. We then get a replay of. Britt Baker and Ruby Soho, their their joint promo in the ring from uh, last Friday's Rampage. Uh, by the way, how's your show going? Oh, it's great. Uh, you should know because I know you tune in every Friday just like everybody else. Hey, of, of no. course we do. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Wrestling Brain Rampage is going really well. Myself and Nick East have been recapping uh, AEW Rampage right after it goes off the air. Uh, I'm having a blast doing it. It's really great to be back on Twitch. I'm having a lot of fun, you know, doing something that's a little different than this podcast. You know, we have the chat. Uh, we have, you know, some more different kinds of segments. We view it through kind of a different way. Um, I have started doing a news segment on that show, too, a little bit of, of that kind of stuff. And uh, we have a lot of great ideas and things we're going to be trying out in the future. I'm super excited to see what we come up with. And as an added bonus, Jeff, Rampage has been fucking great. So being uh, able to talk about it, make content about it, has been a pleasure because Rampage has been awesome. So uh, here's my big question for you: What show are you are you actually watching on Friday? Is it going to be Rampage? Yeah. What else would I be watching? Uh, GCW with Suzuki and Taiji Ishimori. 
No, I mean, I kind of have to watch Rampage to do my show about it. Okay, so, fair. I, I mean, I just I thought think, I'd ask. I think I'll probably be watching the, the show that I have to watch to do a, to do a Twitch show on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I may be saving that one for Saturday morning to watch uh, GCW, so... Yeah, I do want to see uh, uh, Ishimori in GCW. I'll check that one out at some yeah, point. He's, yeah, he's up against uh, Tony Deppen. Yeah, which is a really good match. And of, course, a, a and, of course, really Suzuki, match. and, of course, Suzuki will have Homicide, so... Yeah, Suzuki Homicide is like some real fever dream shit. Um, I will tell you a Homicide story after we get off the mic. And on that note, our main event of the evening. Yes, hold on to your hats. The main event of the evening... Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, DMD, defending the AEW Women's World title against Ruby Soho, the pride of Lafayette, Indiana. And, uh, yeah, this match rocked. Woo! Uh, again, tough to follow the opener, but uh, I, I thought this match, yeah, really delivered. It, it was great to see uh, Ruby in a singles match. Uh, they had incredible chemistry in their promo at Rampage last Friday. And that was like one of my that was my favorite segment of Rampage last Friday. Uh, and Ruby was incredible. And Ruby, uh, what I love about her, and I think what a lot of fans love about her, is that she wears her heart on her sleeve, and she's so emotional, but in such an authentic way. She cares so much. Yeah, and you can feel it when she's talking, when she's wrestling, when she's interacting. Which you can feel how much she cares about this. And and this feud. What I was worried about kind of was Ruby going in and immediately getting hot shotted and, and, you know, coming up short and not feeling like the stakes were high enough. But going into this match, the stakes felt real and this rivalry felt real. The animosity felt real and they delivered on that in the ring right away, I thought. Yeah, it was no. This was a this was a great match. Oh, my God. That fucking top rope air. Actually, second rope uh, air raid crash. Yeah, the second row bearing crash was... And what I loved about it is that it wasn't perfectly executed, right? It felt just enough like, oh, shit, what? Yeah. Um, Something like that, you know, that Suzuki, going back to Suzuki's point about, you know, people wanting to smooth things over too much. And I think that is a problem. Like, I don't like when stuff is too smoothed over. I need some rough edges. It makes that combat feel more authentic to me. I yeah. I mean, I I I take the point. I mean, I I really do. I mean, the the I mean, there's botches and there's botches. You know, there's yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there's a difference between a botch and just like like putting your move set together and making it in such a way that not everything looks like it came off perfectly or without a hitch. I think, you know, guy, Suzuki is a guy who's great at that, right? Like, almost nothing he does looks perfect. And it's not supposed to. He wouldn't be the same guy. He wouldn't be as effective. Yeah. Um. God. And, and you know what? For once, the fuck finish didn't bother me because it actually protected Ruby. You know? Be, yeah. And, I mean, I'll, I'll be real with you. I don't really give a shit about protecting people. I don't really think that's a thing. And I don't think we as fans need to be worrying about it. Like, I think what matters the most is, was it entertaining? And can you continue to tell a story based off of whatever outcome you ended up with? Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the results were, you know, kind of obvious in this one. We kind of all figured that Britt wasn't losing this match. She did it. It was a fine finish uh, overall, but a really, a really good match. So yeah. that's the thing. And again, we... This is going to be revisited. This is not the last Brit versus Ruby for a championship match we're ever going to see. No, it's um, not. But also, again, this was the main event of the show. This was the main event of the show, Jeff. And, you know, with good reason. I thought it was a really great match. Obviously, 
it wasn't the best match of the night because there was no way to have a better. You weren't going to have a better match than the opener. You just no, weren't going to do it, it. No, but it was the second best match of the night, and you know what? Absolutely. That's good. That is good enough. And they occupied different spaces and, and had different right. And those matches had different stated goals, and they both achieved them. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and with that, we end our special edition of uh, AEW Dynamite uh, Dynamite Grand Slam. Uh, I I promised two other tweets. This is the second uh, tweet from. This is the second tweet from uh, Suit Williams, at Suit Williams, which uh, Suit Williams writes, "Oh my God, we did it, guys! A show with no Hardy family office. It's a miracle." Oh, that's just you know that's just mean. Look, man, they that's had th- and I think- look, man, they had three consecutive segments on Rampage on Friday. We need a break. They did good in their segments on Rampage, too, and they were effective. And I thought that was some of the best Matt Hardy we've seen in a while was on that Rampage. I think Hardy Family Office is the most interesting that they've been at this very point right now. So there is uh, one other tweet I want to read. It was uh, from at Tarzangief on Twitter. Uh, hey, I know everyone is enjoying the show, and so am I, but keep in mind this is the biggest dynamite ever, and not a single black wrestler has appeared on the show, and that continues to be unacceptable. Um, I can't really argue against that. I'm also going to go so far as to say uh, neither did any other wrestler of color because the AEW World Tag Team Champions did not appear, nor did... Um, Santana and Ortiz, who were from New York. Now, mind you, they will be on Rampage, and they're working as we speak, as we record. But I think we also know that Rampage is a different show from Dynamite. They are, in fact, two separate shows. Yes, one airs on Wednesday nights, and one airs on Fridays. But I've heard that. So, but, you know, I, I... I Uh, I would say, but I guess you could say today, uh, Jeff, that it's a double header. Indeed. Boy, you know what? Boy, it's 11 o'clock in New York as as I'm speaking, and they are still, they're still, what are they going to go till? Midnight? They're They're going into extra innings, Jeff. (laughs) Okay. Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. You can find me on Twitter at Cool Step Uncle or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thickflare. That name will be changing for obvious reasons, so stay tuned for whatever well, for my no new longer, Twitch handle ends uh, up being. Uh, um, oh, oh, your Twitch handle. Not, yeah, not, Twitch your, handle, not your Twitter. I, mean, it's like, I, I was going to say, are you no longer a Cool Step Uncle? I mean, it just depends on how my my step nephew is feeling that day. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, so we're we're gonna we're gonna uh, make some some changes there. Um, and of course, Friday nights, uh, Twitch.tv slash Wrestling Brain. You can find me and Nick East Wrestling Brain Rampage, recapping Rampage, talking to you in chat. Uh, we do some news of the week. We have uh, the hottest news segment in wrestling media, Genetti Me This. And you want to say what is Genetti Me This? Well, you have to tune in on Fridays to find out. So how how easy is it to change a Twitch handle? Pretty easy. You just press a couple of buttons, and you don't, lo- you and you, and you don't lose your months, whatever. And you don't lose your followers or anything like that. No, 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 no. it's just it's like changing your handle on anything. Oh, okay, all right. Fair. I think they I, I, I know nothing easy. about Twitch, so I've never changed it. I've had the same handle since uh, 2018. I guess I started that account. Uh, so this is my first time doing it, but it seems fine. Yeah, and it took me a minute to figure out what you're talking about as far as the reasons why you're changing it, and ooh boy, yeah. Yeah, let's, you know. Yeah, maybe maybe let's save that. I'm sure. We talked every... about that last week. Yeah, we, yeah, we, did we talk about that last week? We talked about it last week, didn't we? 
No, because it aired Thursday. I yeah, it hadn't aired. Yeah, it hadn't aired yet. Yeah. Uh, watch Dark Side of the Ring. That's all I can. That's all I'll tell people. We don't really need to get into it. Watch Dark Side of the Ring. They'll, they they covered way more than you or I ever could. Uh, you could find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter at GD Wessel two S's one L. Uh, there may or may not be a busting balls this weekend. I don't know. We'll see how I feel. A lot, a, lot, a lot of it depend. A lot of it depending on how. A lot of it depending on how uh, Arsenal does against Tottenham Hotspur on Sunday. <laughs> you want you want some busted balls? Why don't you go ask my wife? Oh, hey, Paul. Any last words? Uh, hey, Jeff. Yo. Uh, who's on first? You know, I actually did that sketch at, at a at a uh, school talent show when I was in uh, fifth grade. I'm, I'm no, I'm asking you. <laughs> but no, I'm telling you, I I, I did this. I, when I was in fifth grade, my myself and another guy and another kid, we did that sketch in in, in our major Ooh. league outfits, or, major league in our little league outfits. We were. We... <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>